While we remain standing, let me invite you now to Isaiah 41 as we do part two of um, our message, Understanding God as Our Helper. We want to conclude with um, uh, Isaiah 41 today. Isaiah 41, so I draw your attention today to verse 14. Uh, We read some portions of that and we indicated we're dealing with the whole chapter. Uh, So we want to cover the last part today. Verse 14, do not be afraid, you worm of, you worm Jacob. Strange term, isn't it? Worm Jacob. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob. Little Israel, do not fear. What happens when God calls you a worm? For I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp, with many teeth, You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chaff. You will winnow them, you will winnow them, excuse me. The wind will pick them up and a gale will blow them away. But you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the the Holy One of Israel. The Lord add blessing to the reading of his word. Hallelujah. Of course, our context covers much more than that up to verse 29, uh, but for the sake of time, we've caught the context. We will, uh, uh, we've caught the gist. We will end here. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come into your house. We ask now, for your grace, your anointing, your guidance. Lord, you've been revealing amazing truths in your word. I ask now that you will grant me the ability to ably convey the things that you've been downloading and that your people will have the ability as well, aided by you, to grasp these simple truths that come from on high. We seek these messages through Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, with thanksgiving. Amen. You may kindly be seated. Understanding God as our helper. Last week, we commenced consideration of Isaiah 41. Basically, Uh, spent our time focusing on items and truths that are between verse 1 and 13. Well, we touched part of 14. So we're really starting in verse 14b today. We observed the setting as follows. First, from the beginning, that um, God was addressing 
these distant lands, the islands. Some versions of the Bible refer to them as the coastlands, idolatrous nations whose agenda was contrary to God's plan. He calls them into a place of judgment, a courtroom, so to say. That's when he says, come, let us meet together at the place of judgment. So the setting is like a courtroom. These nations are challenged. They've been talking and talking and talking, and God says, okay, be silent. Be silent now. Renew your strengths. A sarcastic way of God saying to them, you think you can match what I have promised my people? Because in Isaiah 40, verse 31, God promised his people, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. He was literally talking about how he was going to help his people. But you see the nations around had a different agenda. And they were flexing their muscles. God challenges them to come forward and speak. Be silent, then come forward and speak. And we say that essentially, this is a picture of circumstances of life. Especially when things overwhelm us. And we reach a place where we're not sure what's happening. Whether we're going or coming. And we feel that we have lost control. And this is part of what these people were struggling with because they were constantly used to being in control of things and running their affairs and of course being fairly atrocious by oppressing those around them. So God is determined here to set the record straight. He wants to show who's ruler, who's really in control. So in chapter 41, as we're reading on, they, that's when he asked the question, you know, who's, who's really in charge here? And we've been dealing with that since chapter 40. He makes it clear. And what we summarized this to be last week is that it's a picture of three issues we struggle with in life. One, fear. Two, doubt. Three, spiritual battles, which are occasioned by actual spiritual adversaries. These are things we struggle with. And we boiled it down to three lessons that there is need for us to reestablish that God is totally in control. Because sometimes we do not remember that he's in charge. And I used the words of David Guzik, and I thought that I would repeat those questions because they were very, very pointed. Is there a point, a direction to human history? Is it just a random, meaningless combination of undirected events? Is it a cycle fitted to repeat, it, to repeat itself endlessly? Or is there a God in heaven who directs human events, always moving to a final resolution and fulfillment? And when you think about the, song, the, the, the songs that were carried by our worship team here, very potent in the realm of what we are handling here today. Secondly, as our lesson last week, we said we need to learn to look to him for help and sustenance. Because God made it very clear they were different. They were not like the nations. They were governed by him. And some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. And our final lesson uh, last week, we reminded ourselves of the fact that we need to refresh and deepen 
our relationship with God. This is sound basic, but that's just the reality of where we want to live. And I pray that you will um, access um, this reality as you apply the truth. So today we continue with the practical application of God's uh, help in our lives. And I must indicate that this thing about God being our help or helper is really easier said than done. Because when we say God is my helper, when push comes to shove and you are in a crisis and you feel like, where is the answer? Sometimes, like we said the other week, you're running for human alternatives, thinking of who should be there and so on, who you must contact. Sometimes it's good to, ju- to just stop for a while and not just even be thinking of who to contact. Just wait. Just wait. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And remember, I asked us to remember our limitations. It's important to just wait. In this life, people think about connections, who they know, who must be there when this is happening. Sometimes God phases those people out of the way. And believe you me, this whole season globally, praise God, has been about God shifting the pieces where nations can't go where they normally go. Where governments can't do things they usually do. That's what this whole thing about shut down and shut this, shut that, uh, uh, golden rules. It's, we're calling it the new normal. That's what they're calling it, the new normal. Things have changed. And that's useful for us because we tend to not only want to predict, but by that we want to try and show how much in control we are. And thank God the whole world is acknowledging we ain't in control. Hallelujah! Praise God. So, For us as God's people, this thing about seeking God's help, I must tell you, is easier said than done. So I want to throw in a few more lessons that can help us to practically draw the help that we're talking about from God. So let's throw in three more lessons for today. Number one, we're in verse 14 and 15 of Isaiah. Number one, I call it, the process of molding. The process of molding. The process of molding, meaning making something. A mold is a thing you put something in for it to take that particular mold's shape. So in our lives, we call that where I come from. We wise people from the East, we call that thing chikombole. You put mud in there or cement and you, the result is a mud brick which is shaped, takes the shape of the mold. Or a cement block taking the shape of the mold. So molding is about making. And God is in the process and business of constantly molding his people. Hallelujah. Constantly molding his people. 
Molding requires acknowledgement of our weaknesses, our feeble human frame. And I want us to recall what we discussed two weeks ago, us acknowledging our limitations. Very important. So let me draw your attention to this very strange terminology God introduces here. In verse 14, he says to his people, do not be afraid. You worm Jacob. I know in the notes I've said worm of Jacob. It's actually you worm Jacob. You worm. You worm. This is what God is calling these people. Worm? Why? And then he calls them little Israel. Well, you remember when we began our short series of, of, of teachings based on Isaiah from Isaiah 40. We indicated that Isaiah in these pages from chapter 40 to 66 uses a massive level of imagery. And you remember I said that, that when you look at the, the quantum of, um, uh, and the nature of Hebrew language, its variety in this section from chapter 40 to 66 is unlike anywhere else in the Old Testament. The level of variety using poetic language as well as just plain prose. It's amazing how God arranged this, but it was because of the sophistication in the nature of dealing that now, that now had emerged and God needed to convey a message regarding that level of sophistication to his people. So the word worm there, worm Jacob, and the description little Israel, both of those are meant to draw attention to the feeble frame of our humanity. That we are frail. We are finite and he is sovereign. He is big. He is bigger than us. And God is wanting them to remember that. And he says, do not fear. So in this process of molding, he wants them not to be afraid. And he says, I myself will help you. Why is that important? Because there were nations here taunting and saying, hey, 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 hey. And for the weak ones, they were trembling. They were fearful. They were about to be overrun. It is very, very similar to the posture into which God has allowed the global uh, setting to get into. Unfortunately, as I did indicate last week, in this whole pandemic season, there are those who have run in, chosen the opportunity, and they are strong financially, 
They are strong organizationally. They are strong positionally at a global level. These are entities, entities of repute. They saw some of this coming. Either where they were either part of the cartel of origination or because of their awareness and their studies into global trends, their studies and their computations and their, their formulations of, uh, of models and, and permutations. Some of them were able to see this years ago. I can tell you that. And they prepared financially. They prepared strategically for this day. They knew that when the day comes where this pathogen would now be global, they would step in. And I say this because this is a reality. They would step in the industry. The moment would have come for them to show their muscle. The moment they come, that has come, they all the market is open. Yes, with one hand, they want to help the nations. But like I said, in the final round, when you play the numbers, the big pharmaceuticals and the big industrial conglomerates around the world have seen the wide open door and they are trouncing the nations with their products. And with that, the nations are trembling. Economies are shrinking. And people are dying. Some not from the pathogen and the disease. Literally, a lack of faith into tomorrow and the future and the dying of depression. Because the world has changed. And we as spiritual leaders are speaking like this because we see the moral degradation. There are moral questions we are asking because this is reality. There's an immorality in this whole thing. With the amount of money that has gone into the production of vaccines, for instance. That level of distribution of that same amount of money, if that was wealth distributed into economies around the world, the world would change. But certain areas of the nations must remain poor for others to stay on the job. Some moral degradation. And God is watching. So see where Israel sat with these nations Playing the game. They were trembling. They were fearful. They did feel like a worm. They did feel little in the light of these great nations. And sometimes, beloved, when you're in a small nation like Zambia, you might feel little. And God is speaking to you, beloved. Do not be afraid. Hallelujah. Do not be afraid. And those who matter and hear what I'm saying, they know what we're talking about. They know. And when you talk like this, they read you, they see who you are, they know you know what you're talking about. This is the world in which we live. I'm not saying that all they do is bad will, but it's optimism. They see the opportunity and they move in. 
<laughs> this, this whole pandemic, remember, began where? In China, in Wuhan. Who's producing most of the masks now? <laughs> so will I. And China remains buoyant. Lending and getting to the furthest of the eighth atmosphere to dominate economically. COVID-19, long past. China is supplying Sinopharm, the vaccine that is being used in some places around the world. But now, Sinopharm, AstraZeneca, Moderna, uh, Pfizer, they now must fight. They're all competing. These are the moral questions we are asking. Sputnik. The Russians. Everybody is in there. Because the door is wide open. But the little nations... They're now focusing on Africa. Everybody's saying Africa, Africa. Listen, we are praying, people. We've seen some devastation. But I must say to you, what you desire to see as the crossing of Africa shall not happen. For this is the day that God has ordained. We know we are living in the season when Africa, out of these ashes, will arise. And the raw materials that they seek so much, we will now determine how they must be accessed. In Jesus' holy name, we will determine that. How do I know? Because you, the children whom we are raising, are going to be wiser than all of us because we are warning you ahead of time to arise. They worked over us. Where I come from, meaning we were sleeping and they did some things over us. Not anymore. They want to hear masuku over you because we are teaching you. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. So I say to you, Zambia, be not afraid. Oh, Zambia, be not afraid. Oh, Zambia, be not afraid. Oh, Zimbabwe, be not afraid. Oh, Ethiopia, be not afraid. God says, I myself will help you. This is what it means for God to be our help. So, a lesson here for our leaders. So when we declare a nation Christian and we are seeking God's help, let's not pay lip service to this. Let us truly seek God our help. We can survive economically, politically with these powers I've just described. They pull the strings. They give and their strings are touched. When it is right, they pull the strings. So we must understand that God in the picture is our hope. Somebody shout hallelujah. The process of molding. So in this process, God is molding. He's making us as his people. I want you to note how he describes himself. 
for I myself will help you. Look at the threefold description. He calls himself the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One. <laughs> this is something. He's the Lord. He says, I am your Redeemer. It means that. Even when things have been planned to crush you as a family, I'm here to remind you, God will redeem you. He will lift you out. I know that there's been pain. I know that there's been trouble. I know that there have been heavy losses, but I am here to announce to you the Lord your Redeemer is on His way. The Bible says, Jehovah, this Lord, your God, is your helper, the everlasting God. Underneath are His everlasting arms. You will not have a free fall. I am here to let you know, God is your helper. He is simply molding you during this season. He's molding you. He's making you Himself. The Lord, the Holy One, the Redeemer. The best picture, without exaggeration, in the Old Testament of this act of molding is in Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah is told to go to the Polter's house. This is what the Lord said to me. Well, this is the word of the Lord. He says, that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. Oh, hallelujah. You are in the potter's house during this season. Let God mold you. Let God mold you. Let him make you. Let him channel you into the person he intends for you to be. Those watching might be thinking they are in control. Well, I'll talk about that later as to the place of those, those things. Well, what does God really, why does God allow those things? We'll use that as our last lesson. But just now, let's focus on you and the molding. He says, there, I'll give you my message. There, I'll give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. Oh, praise God. May God show you. May God show you what he's doing now. He's molding you. He is molding you. He is molding you into the woman you need to be, into the man you need to be. You may be little, you might appear insignificant, but that's okay. Molding requires that we abase ourselves to that level of humility so he can lift us up. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in the hands of the potter. Ah, ah, I like the next line. So, he made it. 
Saul, he made it. I am here to announce to you again, he's making you. I said, he's making you. So he made it into another vessel. Everybody say another vessel. Ah, God is preparing you. We, we can't be who we have always wanted to be. We must be who he wants us to be. That's how we receive God's help. He molds. So he made it into another vessel, another pot. I love even more the last line. Shaping it as it seemed best to him. So, the control here is in the hands of the porter. In the King James Version says, as seemed good to the porter to make it. So, it is God's will that matters. That's why Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. So you see, this whole catastrophe that has changed the world. As you know very well, I'm not just into conspiracy theories, but now when, I, when I talk about those who may have been part of its origination, because you know that they denied these things at the beginning, but now more and more, people are beginning to actually say, oh, well, yeah, maybe it was a lab leak. So-called credible sources are now beginning to agree. We may never put a finger on who it may have been, but clearly, this last week, there was some production again of some, some, some Senate hearing where some people were being questioned as to some communication with scientists, 25 of them, in an exchange of information and emails and so on, acknowledge that when they look at this whole thing and its progression, it doesn't really look like it has, it's a normal pathogen with the with a normal natural human origination. They admit that. Okay, be that as it may. Even those, my point, who may or may have been part of whatever thing has caused, when things get to this level where God's people are affected, at some point, the notice to these controllers of events for tomorrow and economies and thresholds and so on. At some point, I will show you today, they let go because God is in control. So I am saying to you, you're not at the mercy of forces around you. You're not at the mercy of the difficulties that have been so shattering, life shattering, hope shattering in your life. You are in the hands of the porter. He is molding you. That's all I mean to say. That's all I mean to say. Hallelujah. And he, the porter, will mold you into another vessel. The vessel that he wants you to be. You know, when I think about it, I look at our lives. I could preach many things to you. We don't have time. I could illustrate to you in our own lives. We can trace how God took us from this level to that level. But it wasn't the plain sailing. There were circumstances. There, were, there, were, there was 
darknesses sometimes. There were moments of climbing, rough climbing. We're not even done yet. I'm just talking about these little phases that we've been through. God does that. And as I look back, I can see that God has been doing some molding in our lives. Glory be to his holy name. He will do that for you. I said he will do that for you. Give him glory in the house. I want to emphasize the last part of this and then go to the last two lessons very quickly. The last part of this, you must catch. The last part of this issue of molding. You have to catch this one. So he says, uh, we are away from, we move from Jeremiah. We use that as an illustration. Let's now go back to Isaiah 41 and observe Verse 15. See, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp, with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them. Hallelujah. And reduce them. Reduce the hills to chaff. Now this powerful imagery there. The word chaff there uh, is consistent with a big image that God has just put out. Threshing sledge. This brings into sharp focus a very common place for the farmer in this economy of the then time. The threshing floor was a common place in a given village where people lived. The richer people were the ones who owned the threshing floors. The poorer ones would own a portion on the threshing floor. The threshing floor was the place that they took their produce to. Largely in this case, for instance, wheat. They would take it there late. They would use either a winnowing uh, uh, instrument or whatever to beat the, the, the container in which the, uh, the wheat would be. But for the bigger ones, they would lay the produce on the ground and they would use sometimes even oxen on a sledge and they would go around and they would go around and, they, and as they went around the um, the produce would be crushed. So that eventually there's a separation with the actual seed. But the threshing floor was a place for processing the produce. In the case of winnowing, where they would throw the produce up and hit it, and the wind would take the chaff and throw it away, more or less push it away. The seed falls down on the ground and then it's collected and the next process begins. So in biblical terms, in biblical symbolism, threshing stands for a spot of purification and humiliation. Because it seems as if when the produce is being processed, it's like the farmer is being rough 
And that represents the purification process. Sometimes God allows us to go through circumstances that almost humiliate us. But He is making you and I into the vessel that He wants us to be. Purify my soul. Let it be holy unto you. Ah, you know the song? Purify my heart. Mm. If we call refiner's fire. <laughs> ah, refiner's fire. And we sing about this being our desire. To be holy. So there's some purification going on. And the process isn't easy. But it's a process nevertheless. Think about the words of the Lord Jesus in Luke 3, verse 16 and 17. And I quote, the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire, he will be, he will clean the threshing floor. To understand the threshing floor. And burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. The threshing floor, somebody has said, is a place where our heart is purified by the work of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I picked up the words of someone else and let me quote, who says, and a pure heart can meet God and understand his voice as Isaiah prophesies here in this passage. When David had sinned and humbled himself before God, he built an altar on the threshing floor. Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 18. And uh, this person continues to say, eventually the temple was built on the same spot. God wants to build his people, that is his church, on the foundation of humiliation, where it seems as if we are our best, but he comes to pick you up from the ashes. He comes to take you from the floor and lift you up. He specializes in picking us up from the deep, muddy clay and place our feet, as the song says, on the king's highway. May that be your portion today in Jesus' name. I said, may that be your portion today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The process of molding. I want you to see this unique language. Threshing, sledge. To understand the contrast before I leave this point and go to the two final ones, I must take you to Isaiah 28 so you can just see the difference to understand this. Let us see the contrast in Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. Let's pick up at verse 27. We have another poetic arrangement here. This is a poetic parable taught by the Lord. It begins, it begins in verse 23. Listen, hear my voice, pay attention, hear what I say. When a farmer plows for planting, I'm reading earlier than verse 27, as you know, we'll focus on verse 27 shortly. When a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? When he has leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway? Caraway is, um, um, you know, cumin? Cumin? The, the herb seed? Caraway is, 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 is also in that family. It's a, it's a, it's a spice. Um, in, um, 
they say today that probably its origin its uh, its origin is in is in Europe, but very very famous in in, in Asia. Uh, but at this time, it was definitely very present in the place where the people were. So caraway and cumin. Sometimes they say they couldn't even tell the difference between caraway and cumin because they almost look the same. But I, but they say that caraway was probably darker. So it's a very very simple herb, spice. But listen to this. He says. When he has leveled the surface, does he throw caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, meaning the interchange, crop rotation, barley in its plot, and spell it uh, and, and spelt in its field? His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Now, verse 27 is my focus onwards. Caraway is not threshed with a sledge. This is the contrast I want you to see. Caraway, this little herb, like cumin, is not threshed with a sledge. Meaning, an appropriate lesser instrument is used when they are winnowing to try and, uh, and get the, the caraway or, uh, or, and or cumin seed. Nor is the wheel of a cart rolled over it. Remember, I talked about a cart going over on the threshing floor for the bigger produce. He said they don't use oxen and a cart to go over it, to separate it, because it's, it's small. It's very small. Caraway is beaten with a rod and cumin with a stick, an appropriate um, instrument. Grain must be ground to make bread. So one does not go on threshing it forever. The wheels of a threshing cart may be rolled over it, but no one does not use horses to grind grain. And all this also comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. Now, keep this in mind. So God is saying, for a little, for these little seeds, herbs, you use a, a lesser instrument appropriately because that's what's needed. So for people who are, who are used as small-scale farmers, growing caraway, cumin, and then the bigger ones growing lots of wheat, they understand when God changes the machinery and says, while you are used to rods and, and, uh, and, and, and little sticks to uh, be able to farm and, uh, uh, and process cumin and caraway. The season, God says, has come. I am changing the machinery because now I am making you into a threshing sledge. It's bigger, it's better, it's broader, it's wider, it's higher. I have come to announce that you're not going under. God is taking you higher in this season. That's what molding is about. He is preparing you for something higher. God doesn't take you down. Listen, he doesn't take you down. If he allows you to be down, it's for a moment. But we know that our place is higher. So we sing the song, Lord, lift me up. So that by faith, I can stand on higher ground. And that's why he says, this is excellent. It comes as wisdom from the Lord. This is the magnificent work of the Lord. So now he's saying, changing the machinery. Playtime. Let the games now begin. See the Olympics. 
are sinning now. Because we're now getting quarterfinals, semifinals in most of the games. The ones who didn't make it to the, to the 32, to the 16, to the 8, they've all gone home. There comes a point where God is changing the machinery and taking the game closer and closer to the finals. And guess what? You are in that team. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said, you are in that team. Where by very deliberate selection, God is taking you to a place where he's increasing the pressure, but also increasing your capacity. The molding takes into account where he's taking you and the machinery is changing. Look at what this will do. So a threshing sledge, you're talking bigger and better. Something bigger than Zanako. I know I'm saying that because Zanako used this thing about bigger, stronger. <laughs> That's all. This is for the Zambian market. How about that? Somebody shout hallelujah. Look at the innovation from God. He says, in this case, it's not the old. He says, you'll be new. Sharp. With many teeth. So God is giving you an edge. A cutting edge. Sharpening your knowledge. Sharpening your skills. Sharpening your capabilities. That is why I am confident that these conglomerates out there, those who control economies now for the Africa that we are constructing now, they will not run over us. I am confident about that. They will not not run over you, our children, because God is building us into a threshing sledge. The church is transforming. That is why as PLG we're looking at community transformation because we understand that with the power of the Spirit, God makes us. The Spirit comes in us and He makes us and He enables us to be able to do some things that we ordinarily would not do. We are tackling poverty and we will defeat it in the name of Jesus. We are tackling disability and we will defeat it in the name of Jesus. We are going to be able to provide hope more than ever before. Because God is molding his people. So you must prepare. I said you must prepare. You know, I watched the caption. Um, of news. BBC. Hard talk. And they were interviewing the president of Malawi. When you look at that at first value, you think, oh, caught. You know? I scrutinize this. I assess the attitude of that interviewer. I said, as an African, I won't take that. I won't take it. 
Who paid for those tickets? Britain did. If there seemed anything morally wrong with what that president was doing, they should have told him from the start. That's me. I see through things. And I'm thinking, no. No, Britain, this attitude we won't take. You won't take an African president and question him in that fashion. Bring Biden here and let's give innocent Kaloluka or Gravazio Zulu to question Biden. They won't even bring him here. They won't. They won't bring, what's his name? The Prime Minister of Britain? Boris Johnson, sorry, his name had gone. Uh, (laughs) No, there's something wrong. And I'm saying, time is up. Time is up. Time is up. This is our new Africa. He is molding us. And I'm determined, I'm going to send a message to President Chakwera to say, you know what? You may have stumbled over this, maybe you didn't see it. But no, we won't be humiliated like that. We know the world is about transparency and probity, but not that way. No, 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 no. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. That's why God is raising prophets like us. We speak to nations. They won't get away. Not this time around. Not this time around. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So, you professionals, begin to question the learning you have done. We need new knowledge that's Africa-focused and giving hope. We need to break some of the molds into which we have been educated and begin to bring true solutions to Africa. Look what they do when we are voting. Like now, this election, the whole world is looking at Zambia. Some with very, very bad interest. Tabaiple. Not while we are alive. No, Tabaiple. They can't do it because we're watching and we're praying. That's why we're going to go to prayer and fasting because in praying and fasting, we are summoning the help of God for Zambia, a help that's above Britain and America and all the nations of the world, a help that is specific to the destiny of our nation. And we want you children to begin to grow with that level of passion, probity, questioning, and letting them know that while they're banking their money on you to change you, so that when we are gone, they change the laws like we've been talking about this CSE business. We've seen through this, through this uh, comprehensive, comprehensive sexuality education agenda. It's an agenda about changing gender norms. It's an agenda about taking over the values of our families. And we have said, no, we won't take it. It's that simple. They've been working to put this in proper language in, of development at the floor of the United Nations. They're not succeeding. Because we are awake. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, we won't finish this one. So let's, let's, uh, let's wrap up and I'll leave some item. I really wanted to, but that's something else for next week. But we won't end, we'll have to end here. So let me, let me just add lesson two and we'll leave lesson three. So lesson two, what God promises here is the provision of divine interventions. So here's how he will help us. He says, 
I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp, with, <laughs> oh my goodness, this variety there, with many teeth. That means innovation, diversity. This is, this, this is meaning renewable. The, the renewables are all in there. So there will be new inventions. Scientifically, all wise, there are solutions that God is going to bring to us. Are you understanding me? Many teeth so you can bite in many locations. This is God giving us back worth and identity. And even for you as a family, don't think you've been crushed. With what you've gone through, you've learned some new things. You will be better. You will be stronger. Ah, somebody shout hallelujah. So verse 18, verse 16, 17, and 18, 19 and 20. Look at what you will do. You will thresh the mountains. You, keep the, you have the picture now. New instrument, new machinery. This is like a bulldozer, like an excavator. Those things, you go, Pick any field with trees or without trees and get the right machinery there and look how the excavation will go. Big trees, uprooted. The cutters come, they cut them. And two, three days when you go back to where this big machinery is, it's plain ground. Ah, that's what God is building. He says you will thresh the mountains and crush them. You will reduce the, hill, reduce the hills to chaff, chaff. Remember chaff? It's the stuff that remains that the wind is ready to blow. These are the hills. There is nothing insurmountable. God is doing a new work. I have been there by His grace and I have seen Him thresh the mountains. I have seen Him make a way where there seemed to be no way. I have come to prophesy to you, beloved. God will make a way for you where there is no way. Your company, which may have gone down, there's going to come a time when it will get up and God will give you more. I prophesy over your family. I prophesy over your job. I prophesy over your future. In Jesus' name. COVID is too small to crush you. That's what I came to say today. COVID is too small to crush you. You will rise. You will get up. So verse 16, but you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. We'll pick it up from verse 18 next week. I've done enough for today. Please rise. God is in the house. You will rejoice. I want you to observe the systematic leading of his people towards his chosen destiny. This is what he will do for you. Last the musicians to come and the praise team to come. And you had the right songs, praise team, so let's go right there to the songs that you have because they proclaim about this God that he is Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I need my mask from there. Hello, hello. Uh, no, let, let's use this one. Ah, uh, this one. There are many. 
you see, this is what I mean. They're making money, so we better as well buy them for now. Yeah. Okay, put that one back. <laughs> Are you encouraged? Are you ready? How oh, beloved, I want us to spend just a few moments in the presence of God. God is molding you. And there is a provision of divine interventions. Not one intervention, interventions. Divine interventions in life. Those interventions are ready now. But first I want you to recognize the new you. The new you. <laughs> the world hasn't seen you yet. The new you. Post-COVID. The new you. Amen. The new you. Made into this threshing sledge. So as I go with her. So as I go with her. Watch it, Pastor. Come on, he put it. You know, one of the things, let me just take this off for a moment. One of the things that in the past few weeks, really encouraged me in case you missed it is to see how God preserved Dr. Kaunda I've particularly been looking I was watching the footage when he was a younger man the things he said Commonwealth, things he spoke to the Ian Smiths of this world, to the John Fosters of this world, the things he said, the stands he took, that's God at work when he has a destiny. And I watched those things and I said, God, you are mighty. You know why all that was happening? Because of the destiny. This was a man destined to wrestle a country that was colonized and whose fortunes were localized to the strong and the few. God gave him the grace with the teams and the many people that were around him. Those people, each one of them, when you look back, they each had their uniqueness. Well, KK became the leader. You must look back at the Mainza Chonas. Look back at the Kapwepes. Those kinds of people. There was just something unique. They were people for their time. But that's what happens when God is leading. When we come back next week, I'll show you how God took Cyrus, the king from the north, and he made him conquer at a time when Babylon was trying to wave its hand. So if God can do that for Zambia through the leaders that he has brought all these years I want you to know that now is your time and God is making you making you as young as you might be there's a destiny